Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast episode number 108. Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast. We are here with my brother, DJ Sink, on the line. How you doing today, brother? I'm doing good. What about you? <laughs> I'm doing really good, man. Trying to survive in this crazy time that we're living in. Not even talking about dance yet. Just in life with COVID has <laughs> been a little bit crazy. Um, but I'm pretty sure you'll share some stories and things of that nature. But other than that, I've been very well. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to come and have a chat. I know before we were trying to get some dates going and then you're traveling and I was traveling and it gets a little bit crazy, but we made it happen. We make it finally. <laughs> Definitely. For the people that are listening to the podcast, maybe they're in Zook, maybe they're in some other dance style. Maybe this is the first time that they're hearing about you. In a, in a short bio, what would you say? I guess you can give people a little bit of intro about who you are. So who is DJ Sink? <laughs> so I started to... I started back in 2012, okay, 2011, mm -hmm. 2012. Uh, I used to do uh, more hip hop stuff, uh, dance a lot, listen a mm -hmm. lot of music, Kanye West, Rick Ross, and all those all the stuff. But when Richie I was Rose. yeah, Rose, you know. So, uh, but uh, when I was kid, my dad uh, put me to a music school where I learned piano, and then mm -hmm. after I went to an orchestra where I learned all the African rhythms, and uh, mm -hmm. I learned to play p uh, guitar. I learned to play drums. Uh, I I was the guy that played trying to play everything, everything, touch everything a little bit, have a basic in. Uh, in every gender, you know. So then I went mm -hmm. to Canada in 2011, 2012. So I want to take a quick moment here. Yeah. So you said that when you were a kid, yes. uh, we're going to get more into the depth of your journey before, but yeah. just to add some context, where are you from originally? Because you said you were a kid and you're in school there and then you went to Canada. So I just wanted to kind of give our listeners that uh, information. Absolutely. So I'm from Togo. It's a small country in West Africa. So I'm born there and uh, I went to school there and I immigrated in Canada in 2009. Nice. So Sweet. after when I come back to when I came to Canada, it was in 2011, 2012. I was graduating for accounting. So I started in accounting three years. 
and I have my bachelor. I didn't know rank. this. Yeah, I know, know a lot of people don't know that. So I, <laughs> I I learn accounting, but after that, then I start to do what I really liked, you know. So at that time, I was um, more into hip hop, hip hop, Rose, Kanye West, Jay Z, and stuff. And a friend of mine was like, "See, come, we're gonna go to a Kizomba party because we all watch this video of Sarah Lopez and Albir, which." have my mm. millions of views today so i was exactly. like oh this is interesting this is interesting let's go check it out and then i was like oh no i want to just go clubbing and stuff so she insisted she insisted insisted and at, at do i point, know who this person is i said no it's, it's just a friend of mine she stopped dancing and she's back in africa too right now you don't know uh, okay i got you so after that, I went to this first Kizomba party and immediately I, I, I felt in love in Kizomba. So I really... Where was the party? This was uh, in Montreal? It was, it was in Montreal. It was at Espace des Arts with Manuel Dos Santos. Okay. At that time, he was the only one okay, that okay, was okay. doing Kizomba at that time. Back yes, in yes, 2012. That makes sense. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I fell in love in Kizomba. So... Practicing was really something that I was doing like every day, even if we had like only one social per week at that time. So it was only once a day we can dance Kizomba. So that's the time that I met Sammy, Sammy, uh, Sammy. Mm -hmm. And then we used to practice every day, every day, every day, every day. And then I wasn't even going to be a teacher of Kizomba, but as I practiced so much and people wanted me to show them some moves and all that stuff. And uh, finally, uh, some friends asked me, think you really need to start teaching because your level is great and people need you to help us uh, master Kizomba. So I was like, okay, I can, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to teach, but I'm okay to learn and to help people to, you know, get better and have have the love of Kizomba too. And then I became a teacher for one year, I would say. And then after I met Babs and Ophia, which Mm -hmm. was a, in Kizo Love. Then I went to Kizo Love and then we were the group of Kizo Love, three people, three guys that loves Kizomba. We danced for maybe three, four years uh, together, mm-hmm. practicing, teaching people in Montreal, doing shows, doing everything. And then at our fourth anniversary, uh, we invited uh, DJ Zykes to Montreal mm-hmm. to DJ for our third anniversary. And when I heard DJ Zykes played, I was like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. This is what I, I, I really connected to this music and I really wanted to, to learn how to DJ. And then I started YouTube was my teacher. I was asking. To my friends, when I go to a club, I met a DJ, I would go uh, mm-hmm. watch his turntables, his controllers. I would go back home, watch YouTube, learn, ask questions. And a few years after, uh, this is DJ Sync today, you're saying. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. 
We'll we'll definitely talk about um, different parts of that. We'll talk a little bit about Kizzle Love. For sure. We'll talk about social yeah. dancing in Montreal, 649, all this stuff. Yeah. So uh, for sure. you're telling the story <laughs> and I was like reminding me of all these things We're because Montreal. Go We're going to go yeah. back slowly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Montreal is one of my favorite places to go, to go dance, you know? So I think it'll be even good yeah. to talk a little bit about the Kizoma scene in Montreal because I feel like yeah. out of all the cities in North America, Montreal is the place obviously before COVID where you can go dance yes. Kizoma multiple times a week you know uh, and this really helps the level to grow when you have enough Absolutely. instructors uh, enough organizers enough DJs and things of this nature to provide the social dancing opportunities for the people to dance and then when you have repetition as an instructor you Absolutely. know this is yeah. how you get better you know Absolutely. practice is everything practice is mm -hmm. everything so let's talk about the music in Togo. Uh, I know you mentioned that you were born there and you were in the musical school there and you said you were in an orchestra. And so... Exactly. But this was an orchestra in Africa. So obviously, like I think of orchestra, I think about like violins and cellos and yeah. all these kind of things. Is that, is that similar to what it was in, in Togo in Africa? No. So I know in, um, in the state and, uh, Canada and France, when you say orchestra, you mm -hmm. mean violin and cello and all that stuff. But it was more an orchestra of church. So we have basically a solo guitar, a bass mm -hmm. guitar, a drums and some African uh, instruments that that you play in church so it was not the, the the big thing that we see in the tvs you know it's more our guitar solo guitar bass mm -hmm. battery piano and uh, a lot or a lot of uh, african instruments yeah can you share some of these african instruments uh, is there like a name we can youtube and maybe put in the show links for the people because i feel like it's important to share this kind of musical I guess culture in Africa because we don't have that. We don't. We're not exposed to that here in the states. You know. Yeah. So I have the African names. <laughs> I have the African names for sure. But in English, I have. Uh, I can look for it and get back to you. But I have the French name and the African name. Is okay. Yeah. If you can find the name or something like that, we'll include some uh, links in the show notes of this podcast. So the people listening can go and kind of like check that out a little bit. Excellent. Excellent. So we have the, the, the gong, we call it gong. Um, it's basically an instrument that you, you play with, um, a little stick. So it's basically your BPM. It gives the rhythm to the, 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 the whole dance. So after we have uh, some little drums like djembe, I don't know if you heard about it, djembe. It's a little drum that uh, we do with the skin of goats. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you, you make it dry and you put it on the hood. And when you hit it, it makes some great sounds. Mm -hmm. So, and we have a third one, which uh, is made with, um, uh, du fer, um, I don't know how to say it in English, but you hit it with uh, another stick too. So basically mm -hmm. you can make your rhythm with, with that. Yeah. But I will okay, that's absolutely awesome. include it, include it in the, in the link as well. Yeah. I was very curious to hear that for sure. That's dope. So this is what you learned in the orchestra, which is also a part of the school that your father put you in. Absolutely. So the school that my father put me, put me in, it's a piano school. So that's where I 
learn how to read the sheets and really mm -hmm. try to play it. It was classical music, jazz music, and blues music. So mm. I did a lot of concert, a lot of um, um, championship, I would say. So it mm -hmm. was competition, basically music competition, and mm -hmm. you will travel and perform in front of juries, and they will they will they will put you nice. on and we'll see who wins. Yeah, I did like two times. I didn't win, but it was really, really give me a lot of experience and uh, mm -hmm. and uh, learning in in music, you know. So, would you say the piano is the instrument that you feel the most uh, comfortable with? Comfortable, yes, absolutely. Piano is my main instrument. Yeah. Mm, nice. So you said that you were studying jazz and things of that nature yeah. earlier. Was this like American jazz at that time? Yes, absolutely. You have a lot of chords to learn. Uh, mm -hmm. You have an improvisation part and you mm -hmm. have some sheets to read and to play in the in real time, you know. So mm -hmm. it was really um, interesting to learn. All that, all that things give me a, a solid base that I use today when I'm producing music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yes, that is something we, another chapter that we're going to have to talk about here is you producing music <laughs> for as well. Sure. So yeah. was this, you were in the school, was this before you were a teenager or while you were a teenager? So I started at six years old and I stopped when I was 12. So mm, I was so before six, six years. Yes, it was before. So I, I was going there like one time a week. It was three hours every week. So mm -hmm. I had basically a teacher who would show you the everything, learned, reading the sheets, playing the, the chords, playing the keys and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. Nice. And so when you said that you stopped in 2012, was this, did you stop because that's when you came to Canada? No, no, no. I saw, I stopped at 12 years old. Sorry. Okay. I stopped there because I was young and I was, I, I wanted to play basketball, football, mm. because at the, at the same time we had school, right? So the only mm -hmm. free time that I had was going basically to learn music but mm -hmm. when i was getting a little bit older i wanted to do uh, some different stuff so i stopped going to that school but mm -hmm. i was doing like sport at that time but you know at that point i had music in me already so even mm -hmm. when i i stopped i had a piano at home even when i immigrated in canada after a few years later uh, mm -hmm. i was missing music so the first thing that i did when i came is going to buy synthesizer so I can have music around me every time. Mm -hmm. That's dope. So that yeah. went until you were 12 years old. So what happened between that time that you were 12 until the time that you came to Canada and what even what was the reason for immigrating to Canada in the first place? So uh, after that, uh, my Wednesday afternoon was basically to play basketball and football and no, not music anymore. But mm -hmm. I was in that church. I was in that church. Uh, and it was a choir and we was the orchestra who was playing for the choir. So mm -hmm. we would play some gospel tracks. We would mm -hmm. play some, we would play some uh, music for the choir basically. So between 12 years old until 16, 17, I was in that orchestra who was playing music for the choir. So I immigrated in Canada because of school. So I finished school and I had to go to university in accounting. 
So there was university in Africa, but uh, my parents wanted something uh, interesting for me so I can get more experience and a different experience from what we have in, uh, in Africa. So that's why I immigrated in Canada. And then when I get there, I really loved it. And this is, you came by yourself or did you come with your family? So I came by myself, my sisters and my my brothers, my brother went to the United States in Europe and my two sisters went to France, Paris. So I was the only one that went to, to Canada. And this, okay, so you went to Canada to start your university. Exactly. Mm. Um, what made you choose accounting? Did you just really like numbers at that time or was it your parents influencing was, you to choose that? Exactly. <laughs> I was really good in math, <laughs> but my dad was an expert in accounting in here. Mm. So I followed that path. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I got you. So yeah. how was the culture shock coming from Togo to to Montreal? Did you already speak French or did you have to learn French at that time? Like, let us know your feelings when you were like there in your first year of university in a new continent. So um, I was not really shocked because uh, when I was in Togo, I used to go in uh, summer in France or in mm. the States for vacation. So for me, it was something uh, normal for me. And uh, we used to speak French in Togo because uh, Togo has been colonized by French. So Fucking by colonizers, France. man. Yeah, colonizers. So <laughs> when, I came, when I came in Canada, it was French speaking. So mm. it was easy to me to, uh, to, to, to adapt myself. And uh, the only hard part was to learn English. So my, you mm. can see that my English English is not perfect, but uh, English was uh, the hardest thing to learn uh, and to be able to speak like this because I had this fear to make mistake and mistake and look really stupid when I'm speaking. Mm -hmm. You know, so exactly. that was uh, the hard part for me. Yeah. So, how many languages do you speak now? So now I speak uh, three languages: my native language, my African language, my uh, vernacular. It's it's called Mina, and I speak English and French. I learned mm. Spanish at school. I speak uh, un poco, hablo un poco español, but that's it. I know you speak <laughs> sp Spanish though. Yeah, I yeah, heard yes. you, I was like, what? I was like, yeah. crazy, this guy speaks I Spanish like, like fluently. I'm very fluent in Spanish. And then, je parle un peu français. <laughs> J'ai uh, mon ami. Mon ami. Mon ami, my wait friend. for it. Wait, 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 wait. I forgot how to say my name is. <laughs> How do you say my Mon name is in French? Or there's another Mon way to say it. Charles. Mm -hmm. Je there's another way Charles. to say. It. Yeah, je, there we go. Mon ami, j'appelle uh, Melina. Okay. Tu connais Melina? <laughs> That's good. Yo, je connais Melina. I know her. Uh huh. Melina um, me a de um, beaucoup um, pour prendre français. Yeah, she have to was, a lot to to speak French. That's yes, good. yes, yes. Um, my pronunciation, <laughs> the French pronunciation is hard. Um, <laughs> I can it understand hard, it reading bro. it. English but is much easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, Melina helped me a lot to learn, and she was like, "Okay, this this resources go to this side, this thing," and so she was helping me a yeah, lot to yeah, to learn. Yeah. I do Duolingo every now That's and then, good. but it's, I still need more practice speaking. But anyway, yeah, sure. practice okay. is key for sure. Mm -hmm. So you're in Montreal, you're studying accounting 
and you're learning English, you already learned how to speak French and things of that nature. So how did that go in the university until your graduation? Or did you do anything so with really music well. or dance in the university? So no, at that time, I was really uh, focused on school. So no Kizomban, I was just hearing music. So I, I have, I have uh, my garage band on my Mac. So mm. I would have my synthesizer and just trying to make hip hop beats. I would try mm. to make hip hop beats, play piano, play my, play my church song. And that was it. And then I wasn't even dancing that much at that time. Yeah. When I finished graduating, that's the time that I had like two years uh, finalizing my uh, paper for residence and all that mm -hmm. stuff. So I had time, no working. So it was that time I started Kizomba. Mm. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your hip hop. Um, did you do hip hop in Togo before you came to Montreal? Exactly. I used to dance in a group so we can dance cramp music, hip hop music, and we will do even shows on uh, R&B and hip hop music. So I was already dancing hip hop so, in Togo. Yeah. Are there any YouTube videos of you dancing hip hop that we can share to the people? Uh, for unfortunately, at that time, it was more <laughs> on our cell phones. Uh, the network is not what it was like 15 years ago, you know? Mm. So it was more just um, on our record own recording, but not on YouTube. I got you. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about the influence of American hip hop and R&B in Africa, because I find this very fascinating as well. So I will tell you that um, hip hop, American hip hop was one of the main after our traditional stuff. OK, our, mm -hmm. our after our traditional cultural stuff, music um, from um, a basic uh, from a viewpoint of uh, uh, occidental music, hip hop was mm -hmm. the first music that we will hear at the radio. We will watch mm. at the, the TV. So we will see Craig David. We will see Jay Z. We will see Kanye West. We will see Rick Ross. Mm. So our TV, we will we will see that like a lot. So uh, a lot of Togolese people then start Togol Togolese hip hop. So you will go to the club. You will dance. Yeah, so you would go to the club after our traditional music and all that stuff. We will play a lot of hip hop, and uh, the young generation was really liking it. So we we had a lot a lot of influence from American music, yeah, for sure. Mm. And not only the hip the dance, but the style too. We will we will wear some big jersey. We will wear some big hats, some big jeans <laughs> and stuff. Get some Air Force and Timberlands and some stuff. Uh -huh. So we get some chains, mm -hmm. you know, it was like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. It's interesting to see the global influence of hip hop, you know, that is spreading influence. across yeah. the world, you know, yeah, yeah. in a lot of different places. The word. Yeah. 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 It was really huge. I can tell you. That's super dope. So how did that um, play into you starting to yeah, create beats? Because you mentioned that you did hip hop beats. So is that how you kind of took your your music background when you were yeah. younger? You said you were on the piano yeah. from like six to 12 and yeah. then you kind of took a break and then you're doing other things. But then you said you're kind of part of this hip hop group. So is that how you kind of yeah. like, OK, let me take my musical knowledge and start creating hip hop beats or how did it go? Uh, when, when I finished, uh, when I was in when I was uh, in the university, my free time, 
Like I didn't have so many friends because I wasn't in a residence. I had my own apartment. So um, I can stay at home like two, three weeks, four weeks, one month, not seeing friends. So my only uh, escape from uh, school was music. So mm. as I didn't have my friends to really communicate and, uh, you know, uh, share some experience, sing together, uh, play together, jamming and all that stuff. So, so, so you didn't have any girls that were like chasing you? Oh, see, <laughs> be my, be yeah, my boyfriend. I had, I, I had some, but she, she won't be a singer. She won't have my basics in music. So I would mm. be like, let's, let's try this and let's do this. But uh, she won't, she can't follow me because uh, she does. She, she wasn't, at my level too, you see. Mm, so I had some girlfriends for sure, but I was uh, really far from from uh, from her, you know. But she was liking, you. she was liking what I was doing. She was like, "Oh, you're super great. You're super dope. What you're doing? Your mm. music is great and stuff." So what uh, it was really um, um, when I was spending time hearing music, and I would try to play piano on what I was hearing. So mm. that really helped me to develop my ear, my musical ear, you know? Mm -hmm. So I would take like a, a random track from Kanye West and I would mm -hmm. try to play my piano and match the, uh, match the chords and try, and I would mm -hmm. be like, oh, it's great and stuff. So uh, finally, when I was hearing music, I would try to hear the details, not just hearing the whole track, but uh, look at the background. What's, what was in the background? Why he using this chord? Why are we hearing this this guitar and analyzing? So it developed completely my hearing on of the music, you know? So slowly I was like, oh, I can make this. So if I put my piano, I put my, I put a layer of piano. I put a layer of drums. I put a layer of guitar. I put a layer of bass. Uh, what, what does it sound like? You know, so slowly, slowly, mm. slowly, uh, all the time that I had is to try and to see if I can be Kanye West. If, because I, mm. he was, I, I, I say a lot Kanye West because I love him. I love his music. Mm, I don't love uh, what he's thinking and all that stuff, but <laughs> musical, just, you know, just I musical part. This guy is a genius, you know, is a genius. Yes. So, uh, it was really inspiring for me. And slowly I tried to re really, uh, do my first beats. But by the way, I have one of my first, my first hip hop beats that, that I can, I can send you so you can put it in the, in the, in the link. Is sure. it on SoundCloud? No, no, no. It's it, in my files. So I will send uh, it to you personally, okay. but okay, people can hear be it. Dope. No worries. Yeah. Yeah. I can put a link. We can find a way and maybe put it like on a Google drive or something like that. So people can listen For to sure. it. Cool. So one question before we get into Kizomba. You mentioned uh, Togolese rap. Do you Damn. know of like an artist or two that people could YouTube to listen to rap from Togolese? Absolutely. Like a, a rapper? Yes, yes, yes. Which so rapper have, should people uh, YouTube? Yeah, so um, today there is a lot, a lot of, uh, so a lot, a lot new ones, you know, but those that I hear back in the days, you can say Ali J's. So A L I space. Mm -hmm. J E Z Z. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is one of the first one. And the second one, you can tap Eric E R I C space mm -hmm. M C. So Eric M C. So mm -hmm. those two 
are one of the guys that I used to hear a lot. Those African beats, Togolese, uh, Togolese hip hop that was huge in Togo and their influence from American hip hop, like really um, uh, put uh, the Togolese uh, hip hop uh, at a great level. But today, mm. I tell you, in 2021, there is like a lot and it's like really, it's really crazy really and really it's getting crazy, bro. Because this is this is kind of how Ghetto Zook started. Yeah. With yeah. Um, yeah. Nelson Freitas and Johnny Ramos, yes. you know, they're coming from Africa, immigrated to Rotterdam. They're getting inspired by Afri American hip hop. They're taking their yeah. roots and mixing it with something new. And this is how Ghetto Zook was born. And Ghetto Zook get paved the way for Urban Kids. So it's yeah, very exactly. crazy. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I'll yeah. definitely add some music from these two rappers just to see like what yes. it sounds like because it's what interesting it to kind like, of yeah. like mm -hmm. yeah okay so Kizomba you mentioned yeah. that you went to a party of Manuel Dos Santos at Espaz de Art Espaz de Art is like the the headquarters the of place. all the dancing <laughs> oh sure, it's, so, sure. It's at the corner of our two main streets, St. Catherine and St. Laurent, at downtown mm -hmm. Montreal. And it was the place to be at that time. It was the only place, basically, one of the mm -hmm. one of the, the only place that you can go and dance outside, dance bachata, dance kizomba. Mm -hmm. We have a few more, but this one was central and and every everyone, everyone was going there. Mm -hmm, definitely. So you mentioned you went there, you started taking classes, you met Sammy. And what was it that hooked yeah. you about Kizomba? You said that you like fell in love with it or it really made an impact on you. What made an impact for you? So um, the thing is, uh, Kizomba wasn't really new to me because we already had Zook, but not Brazilian Zook. Um, mm -hmm. uh, anti, anti Caribbean Zook, Zook and uh, Caribbean Zook, you know. So I was I was all already used to the rhythm, and don't forget mm. that I was playing that same rhythm that we have in our orchestra. It's, it was the same rhythm, mm. so it was really really something normal to me. But when I discovered Kizomba and I I, I watched the steps, it was technical. It was not just like basic one, basic one like how people dance normal uh, mm -hmm. Caribbean Zook. I was like fascinating. I was like, yo, those guys learn the step. Oh, this is a choreography. So people will be like, no, 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 no. The guy is leading and uh, it's like improvisation straight. So I, could, I couldn't mm -hmm. believe it. I was like, what? How, what? How can she follow like perfectly like this? So mm -hmm. it, it get my attention at 2000%. Nice. So, and to give context, this is before Urban Kids or were you listening to like Kizomba Semba or was it more Tarashinya or was it more Ghetto Zook or was it a mix of everything? So at that time, Urban Kids didn't even exist at that time. We didn't mm -hmm. have a name for Urban Kids. It was just Kizomba Semba Tarashinya. So at that time, uh, no Zook. Urban Kids at all. LG, even LG and all that stuff didn't start producing that much. So it was really Ghetto Zook, Tarashinya, and mm. Kizomba Semba. Awesome. So you go to this, you find out about Kizomba, you start practicing and things of that nature. And yeah. you said that you met Sammy not too long after? Exactly. So what was happening is that uh, I used to go to Manuel Dos Santos uh, classes. I didn't take some mm -hmm. class with Manuel Dos Santos, but uh, I met this guy, Ofia, one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. So when I go to the party and I was watching him dance with his girlfriend of that time, 
I was like, oh my God, I need to dance like this guy. So I'm someone that when I like something and when I love something, someone, or the way that someone does something, I will do everything to learn from him because I love like having a mentor. So I won't make a lot of mistakes. So he will show me the path to, you know, to get to a great level fast and not making a lot of mistakes and not lose some time. So I went to see my friend Ophia and I was like, bro, I need to learn Kizomba, but I'm watching everyone dance manual and all those guys that dancing at that time. And I want to be like you. I want to dance like you, the way that you mm. dance your style and everything talks to me. So I want you to learn. So he taught, he gave me like one, uh, maybe a four hour classes. So I went to his place. We have a friend and he showed me all the basics, all the basic. We spent like maybe four hours chilling, drinking and learning. And he gave me one class. And after that, he was like, after this, you don't need anything because you're catching the step really fast. You have the thing already because I have the rhythm already. So it was for me, it was to understand what was going on. So when I learned Saida's, when I learned basic steps, I learned, I have a notion of leading. So I start practicing like nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. So I will, I will, I will go to that practice on Wednesday, uh, and pay my, pay my, my, my entrance, do the free class and practice like until the end and dancing with people, a lot of people. And I danced with Sammy. Sammy was a wonderful, wonderful dance dancer at that time. And mm-hmm. we, we, we directly, uh, matched like, uh, dancing with her. We, I would go, I would stop everything to just go dance with Sammy. So I would do everything to be able to be free on Wednesday, to be able to dance with Sammy. And even when there was, there wasn't some socials, um, I will, I would tell her, Sammy, can we practice today, Thursday? Yeah. She will come to my place. We will practice Friday. Can you do tomorrow? Yeah. We will. So we used to practice like every day non-stop maybe on one year one year or two years imagine uh, how much we practiced so nobody at the time in montreal practiced as much as me so that's why my level uh, went really really up really really fast nice so um did you meet sammy at like at a party or something like that sammy's also yes. something someone i want to bring on the show i'll make sure Absolutely. that i share a video of her uh dancing she's a dope follow uh, very strong at afro house and things of this nature so can you tell us a story Absolutely. about how you guys met so we met at the party she was in uh, manuel dos santos team at that time she would do afro mm. house and shows and everything with manuel dos santos so she was in the team she was in the show choreography team and stuff so I will come to the, the party, the, the, the weekly party of, uh, Manuel. And I know she's there all the time. So I was going every day just to be able to dance with her because she was one of the f- only follow that can follow me like perfectly because the level of the other people was a little bit, uh, less at that time. Who else was around in the dance scene at that time? Because it wasn't just Manuel dos Santos, because I guess maybe were there multiple places to dance yet? in in yeah. montreal at that time were they only were there other djs like give us a snapshot of the scene in montreal at that time so at that time we had like two djs so the two djs when i started in kizomba really was dj fofoja and dj angel design so those two were the first two djs that uh, when i was starting to learn uh, they were they were starting to dj too they were, it was uh, their beginning too 
So mm-hmm. DJ's Fofuja was more into um, dancehall and stuff, uh, mm-hmm. but he has a really, really great playlist of Cabo Zook, Cabo Love and all that stuff. And Angel Design uh, basically started with Manuel Dos Santos and he was really interesting into music. So he started at Nico's party, Nico Crump's party. So he started DJing there. Mm-hmm. So at that I time, we had man, exactly. At that time, we had Manuel Dos Santos and uh, everyone, Babs, uh, Nico Crump, Angel Design, Fofuja, all those guys used to come to Manuel Dos Santos. So short story, Manuel Dos Santos had a lot of trouble and a lot of stories, mm-hmm. long stories. And then people starting to do uh, their own stuff, you know? So Babs Kizolov start to do his own parties and stuff. Nico Crump start to do his own parties. Uh, Yvonne mm-hmm. Sanchez start to do his own parties. So Fofoja was DJing for Babs. Angel Design will DJ for Nico Crump. And Yvonne will have maybe Fofoja or maybe uh, uh, Angel Design. So the mm-hmm. scene was getting slowly, slowly bigger. You know, maybe we will be in 2013, 2014. So slowly uh, the scene was getting bigger. So you will have maybe Wednesday, this guy, uh, Manuel, Thursday, you will have uh, another party. Tuesday, sorry, Tuesday, you will have uh, uh, Nico Crump and Sunday, you will have uh, Babs. So slowly we had like three social uh, in, in Montreal. Yeah. And I feel like I've heard many cities that struggle to get uh, socials going in their cities. And I think you've, you've traveled to a couple of cities and things of that nature as well. And I feel I've, there's something, I, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your, your perspective on this. I feel like there's something in the French culture um, because Paris is the hotspot for Kizomba, like one of the top places to go to in the world for Kizomba Semba to Urban Kids to Tata Show, you know, Anna, Curtis, Moon, all these guys were in Paris. And even before Urban Kids was a thing, it was like Parisian style Kizomba. Yes. That was already yes. a thing that kind of had its, its difference, you know? And I feel like yeah. some of that bleeds over into Montreal because it's also a French speaking yes. place. Those are at least the similarities mm-hmm. that I see. And sometimes I go to Montreal and I walk into a social, I see like 10 black guys, 10 or more black guys, you know, but you go to other <laughs> cities in the yeah. US, you don't see as many black yeah. guys to go through. So yeah, I'm pretty sure you've noticed yeah. this as well. What, what do you think that the reason Absolutely. is for that? So I would be like, uh, I think it's really the first I think two, two, uh, two reasons, uh, Africans and, mm-hmm. uh, Caribbeans in France, we mm-hmm. have a big, 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 uh, big, uh, population of Caribbeans, Guadeloupe, Martinique, Ile de la Réunion. So all those guys, uh, are already used to Zouk, Caribbean Zouk. So it was easy to do the transition into Kizomba and getting a, a hip hop style, all the change of the music and get, get them slowly to urban keys, you know. In Montreal, it's the same thing. We have a big population of African because you can speak French. So all those colonized countries, Togo, Bine, Senegal, Cameroon, all those countries that speak French has a huge community of French speakers in Montreal. So it's easy to get those guys 
in the in the in the in the kizomba scene because the music is something that they already know a little bit or uh, it's similar to their culture so it's mm. easy for them to 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 uh, to do it you know so i will be like africans uh, french speakers africans and uh, caribbean speakers mm. i know that in in the states it's more you see guy you guys still african but you know Uh, with uh, slaves and all that story or mm -hmm. uh, your, 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 your story is more in the state today, you know, so you're, you're not, you're not really uh, connected in the young age at uh, those culture, at my opinion. Mm, so it sense. was easy for, it's easy for, it was easy for us to, 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 to dance and to feel the, the, the vibe, I would say. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, I was curious to yeah. hear your perspective on that for sure. Yeah. Okay, so you're learning. Um, people started asking you to start to teach. And yeah. then you said before in your university, you were already working on hip hop beats. And exactly. I'm pretty sure since this was around 2013, 2014, 2015, exactly. Exactly. this is when yeah. LG dropped his album. And I feel like that exactly. really opened up the door for a lot of uh, like musicians him. to start doing yes. instrumentals and dubstep exactly. and all these things. Yeah, so yeah, 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 what yeah, went yeah. through your mind and what happened in Montreal around that time? Because I feel like that was a very pivotal year or that time pivotal period for time. Kizomba. Yes. So, uh, short story, at the time, uh, as we had like, Kizomba was a little bit new, it was getting bigger. So we would mm -hmm. have party, for example, where you have maybe 30% of bachata, 30% of mm -hmm. salsa, and 20% of uh, Kizomba and cha-cha-cha uh, mm -hmm. and compa mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So... I didn't use, I didn't uh, learn to dance a salsa and bachata. So when uh, they will, the DJ will be playing salsa and bachata, everybody will sit down and wait for the kizomba time, you know? So it was frustrating to just wait. We wanted some kizomba only, you know? So I went mm -hmm. to another school, which was the 649. So I wanted to learn mm -hmm. salsa because the music of salsa really touches me. So I really like the, the, the vibe of salsa, how I can feel the instrument because uh, it, it was an orchestra, like I would say, and I can exactly. feel the guitar, I can feel the, the bass, I can feel the instruments, I can feel everything. It was real to me. So I was like, no, 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 I need to learn. I need to learn salsa. So I went to the 649 and I started learning salsa. So I did salsa one, salsa two, salsa three, salsa four, salsa five. So after that, my teacher, who was Sandra Campanelli, she went to Kizolov party one time and she saw me dancing Kizomba. She was like, what? You dance Kizomba at that level? You need to be a teacher at my school. I was like, no, 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 I, I wow, can't teach. Okay. I don't even know how to teach. I don't know. She was like, don't worry. We're going to find out. But your level, you can, you can really help to teach, you know? So she was the first school that I start teaching. I start teaching mm. Kizomba. So at the beginning, I couldn't even count the music 
Five, six, seven, eight. Let's go. <laughs> I will count. I will count like late. People will be like, yeah, "What uh-huh. are you counting?" It was really hard at the beginning, <laughs> but mm-hmm, slowly I was learning. I was learning how to count for people, and because you can be a really great dancer, but it's not that does not mean you're gonna be a good teacher, right? So, yeah, so two different uh, it was two um, different skill sets. Ex- exactly. So that was a. Uh, a, a big learning for me. So after that, when I start teaching, um, it was like, okay, I left a little bit the hip hop because I was really, really in love with kizomba, salsa, and social dancing and all that stuff. And when I come back home, I will be hearing more kizomba music, more samba music, more salsa music and stuff. So hip hop went to the you know the the second uh, second plan you know so after that um that's the time where uh slowly we start watching uh, new dancers that will be ena that will be mm-hmm. curtis seldon that will and well people don't well. give NOL enough credit <laughs> NOL, this guy NOL, if you, sure. you can watch one of his demos from today and it looks like yeah. it came out last week this guy was really a trailblazer in the way that he was dancing four or five years ago it's crazy hundred percent so annual actually i took uh emmanuel dos santos brought him to montreal like two two three times so i take private with mm-hmm. him and nice. his musicality the way yes. that he understand music is like insane so uh his style was talking to me a lot so i take some private with ena because we mm-hmm. brought him to Kizom, uh, to Montreal too. So Ena, I took private with Ena. I took private with Enwell. So mm-hmm. that helps me to a lot to 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 correct some little things because we will not uh, work some some steps because all those steps I will watch YouTube and do it straight. I will just see the step. I will do it because my level of practice was really high, so I can understand mm-hmm. really really fast. But there was just Okay, uh, do your marker like this. Do your your keep your hands like this. The style mm-hmm. of like this. They would they would teach me some little stuff that completely mm-hmm. changed my 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 dance. It would be like step like this. Uh, start with your tippy toes and slowly mm-hmm. go down. So little details that change everything in my dance. You know. So mm-hmm. um, the the music that they were playing. The instrumentals, the LG mm-hmm. exclusives, the the the, the, <laughs> the, the, the you know, at the exclusive start at that time, you know. So LG exclusive that they will play in the workshops, so everybody will be like, "Oh my Where God, are you getting this what music? Is yes, that track. Who is LG? You know." And after that, you will you you will go to YouTube and look for LG. So I will I will go to YouTube and look for everything on his channel so i will see his mm. tuning in studios i will see how he make beats with his mpc uh, mm. i will look like at everything 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 so uh kizomba i was like okay you know what i used to do hip-hop and all that stuff but right now i will get into kizomba i want to do those mm. instrumentals 
I want to do those exclusive. I want, I can do it. And when I'm like, I'm going to do it, I will do everything because I want to get to that level. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to be the best. I want to do something that I will love. So people will like too. So, uh, my goal was to be able to make some instrumentals at that time. Mm-hmm. So LG was my first, first, first inspiration. Uh, hearing mm-hmm. how he using dubstep into Kizomba, so mm-hmm. as I was already, I, I was already dancing hip hop in the in the past. So the music touched my soul like big time. So mm-hmm. I would spend like days, weeks, and months just learning how to to make my sound my sound sound great. You know, so my music mm-hmm. sound great, and I would ask some questions. I would take some private with other DJs. I would. I, I would do everything just to put my game at that level. Mm-hmm. So this is interesting. So there's two things in my mind. I know in Urban Kids, we talk a lot about uh, Curtis, Anna, and Moon and things of this nature. Um, yes. For me, even before them, I feel like we have to talk about Albier. We have to talk Albier. about Enuel. And we have to yes. talk about Felicien and Isabel. Because Felicien I feel Isabel. like they were kind yeah. of the first ones that started Absolutely. dancing Kizomba in a different way. With the syncopations yeah. and yeah. things of this yeah. nature. And yeah. then, okay, Anna, Moon, and them came in, you know? Because when I started, yes. Albia was my first private exactly. for Kizomba. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that yeah. even helped me like uh, start to like view Kizomba in a different way. But mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear because I think I remember vaguely seeing flyers of you guys bringing mm-hmm. artists to Montreal to, to train yeah. as yeah. things were starting in the country or starting in the mm-hmm. US at least. And I feel like Montreal was kind of like his own little bubble. And it wasn't yeah, until exactly. you came to Neokiz and now that kind of opened yeah. up to the door. It's like, oh, you guys are in Montreal. You guys have There's social. Some you people have here, yeah. There's some people here, but <laughs> exactly. before it wasn't as, as wide knowledge that there was a lot as of open, talent yes. that was uh, exactly. in Montreal. And now I feel like now exactly. that people are really curious about you and your style and Tara and uh, Babs and all these people. It's like people know that yeah. Montreal is a destination. But I feel like before it yes, was kind of like, sure. oh, these French people are doing some stuff up there. You know, do you remember yeah, Eloise? Yeah, yeah. Eloise, for sure. Eloise was one uh-huh. of my partners. <laughs> I used to practice a lot with Eloise. Nice. Eloise taught me a lot of stuff. I taught her how to dance properly, Kizomba, but this girl can dance like everything and moves her body in every mm-hmm. every sense that you can imagine, you know. So I'm going to, to share a, a video of her, her in the show notes so people can know, recognize yeah, who she is because Eloise, I think a lot yeah, of people sure. don't know about her her yeah absolutely because she stopped dancing a little bit she went you know in, in her business uh, stuff and you know so she stopped dancing a little bit but this girl was definitely one of the uh, the dancer that i used to dance a lot with sammy eloise mm. and other montreal dancer but to come back on your 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 what you just said absolutely we yes. had albir in um, uh, in montreal kizomba uh, sam limit brought them we had felicien and Isabel, we brought them in Montreal and uh, Enuel, all those guys. And uh, what I would say is that those, all those guys was for sure, for sure, for sure, Felicia and Isabel, inspiration for us, you know. And um, mm-hmm. the, uh, I said more Ena, Curtis and Enuel because, and Moon because 
their style match mine, you know. Uh, but for sure, Felicia and Isabel was one of the first. Albir definitely mm-hmm. was one of her first. And that was even the first time that, that I danced with Sarah Panero. He came with Sarah Panero. Mm-hmm. That was one of my best dance ever with Isabel. Yes, she's a Isabel beast. Crepin. Yo, she's a beast. She can follow everything and the attitude and everything. Everything was so perfect. But yeah, I took some inspiration for all those dancers. Thank you for reminding me those guys because they participate in my in my learning for sure. I'm looking at a video now from 2017 of Eloise yeah. and Tara. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So on Eloise, YouTube, YouTube is crazy uh, how it's like a time you can capsule. Fire everything. You can fire everything. <laughs> so Eloise actually showed Tara a lot of stuff. I can tell because mm-hmm. I used to. Uh, I saw when Tara started, and she did really great. She she was really passionate and learned really quick because she she was a dancer. But Eloise was one of the first that uh, taught Tara. How to dance Kizomba for sure, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is awesome. And, this, uh, the history is important. Yes, for sure. And to come back on uh, what you said about um, Montreal scene, uh, mm-hmm. Montreal get, get to um, a lot of trouble, trouble. What I would say is that people wouldn't work all together. Everybody will do his stuff. You know, he's all love with doing stuff. Uh, mm. it's, it's correct, you know, but in my opinion, uh, to, to, to have a better community and to, 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 to transmit the, the patient better when everybody works well together, when everybody is together mm. to all the events, when the passion is the first the first, the first thing that we want to share, not the, I would say the, the, the fame of, or the, the, the money or all that stuff that can mm-hmm. uh, come trouble the dance itself. Uh, I see, uh, in my opinion, uh, Montreal suffered a little bit for that in, in, uh, in the past, but today we're mm-hmm. doing better and we are working all together and that's what i think uh, uh, build community better mm, it makes sense it's interesting yeah. at the beginning because it's like maybe people think this is going to be like a like a gold rush you know like oh exactly, we're going to do kizomba exactly. and a million people are going to come and we're going to be millionaires <laughs> exactly. but it's like it's not the case um to yeah. have that so it takes really building the community dancer by dancer social by social and things of this nature and social you have to make the pie big okay. If the if the pie is not yeah. big enough, then any little thing comes and it just kind of like completely starts from scratch again, you know? Exactly, 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 exactly. So yeah, so in the state, you guys wouldn't hear a lot about Canada, what was going on. Uh, mm-hmm. It was like a bubble, like you said. Uh, everything mm-hmm. that was happening in Montreal was staying in Montreal. But slowly, we opened that door because uh, the U.S. is just our our neighbors, you know. So mm-hmm. today, exactly. I'm really, really happy. I'm really happy that uh, we have this this connection between the U.S. and and the Canada because we can really do some huge stuff with our our two communities. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like if you're going to measure the growth of a dance community, there has to be instructors and there has to be multiple instructors and multiple DJs. You just can't have one school that's the only option. You can't have just one DJ that's doing all the DJs. There needs to be multiple ones. 
So who knows how Absolutely. many Kizomba instructors were in Montreal before COVID? There were a lot. Yeah, a lot, a lot. We used to have a socials every day, Monday to Monday. You can dance Kizomba by Montreal. Mm. So Monday we had a party. Tuesday we have six forty nine. Wednesday we have salsa zouk. We have Kizomba all that mm-hmm. stuff. Thursday we have Balak Augusto. Friday we have every day you come you can dance Kizomba. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Also, you mentioned 649 about your salsa classes, but then that's exactly. also the place where you started your Tuesday thing on 649. So, so yeah, tell us the story about that. <laughs> short story. So I started uh, learning uh, salsa in, um, in uh, 649. So I used to go to that mm-hmm. place every every week. And then the, 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 the boss of 649 saw me dancing uh, Kizomba and she was like, oh, you need to you need to teach kids on my class in my in my school i was like okay i'm down but it's gonna be hard because i'm not a teacher i'm not patient for me you have to understand fast otherwise uh you know bro go play basketball or basketball is not for you you know so my patient was not really for me you have to understand fast because it's easy you know but it was hard for me to understand that not everyone understand fast as I do, you know? So just mm. being able to break down the steps, break down everything to the, the, the student was a, a, a big one. So uh, I, took time, I took the time, I learned from others. I went to some other class. So I learned how to teach the pedagogy and to see how to, 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 to teach people. So after that, my classes was on Tuesday. So I will give uh, Kizoma one, after six weeks, uh, those people was in love with Kizomba too because we were able to to, to transmit the patient really good. So they will be like, okay, what's next? We want more, we want more. So we will do open a second class Kizomba two. We open an advanced class Kizomba three. So after that, people want now to dance. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna play a playlist because at that time I wasn't a DJ. So I would just, because because that I have a good playlist of tracks that I like, so I will put my tracks on the playlist on Virtual DJ. So uh, the music will, will play and I will just dance after the class with uh, everyone that stays. So I have my two friends, Ophia, Koku, and Fanja. We will be like five, six after the class and we will dance from nine until uh, 2 a.m. And we'll be like, bro, we're working tomorrow. Let's go home. And next week mm-hmm. is the same thing. Next week is the same thing. And slowly, our student went from four to five to six people that stay after the class, seven people that stay after the class. But what happened is that at the same time, Nico Kramp has his Kizomba social at, the, mm-hmm. at another venue. So uh, a lot of people didn't use to come to my party because there was already another party and with a DJ, DJ Angel Design. And my place wasn't a DJ, it was just a playlist, so just for practice. So mm. slowly I, I was getting to 10 people, 10 people staying after the class, 12 people selling and slowly I'm talking about 2016, 17, 18, you know. And when finally DJ Zyx came and I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to start DJing, right? So slowly, the 649 
for me was the place to just practice and to try my DJ and to try my DJ learning stuff, you know? So I would go on uh, Amazon and buy a little controller, a small one. And just instead of playing like uh, a playlist, I will, I will connect my controller and start DJing slowly, you know, just dancing maybe half an hour, one hour with my student. And for the rest of the time, I will try my transition. I will try this. I will. And I wasn't that great at the beginning because DJ is not just playing a track after the, uh, after the order, you know, it's really understand mm -hmm. the, the technique. You really understand the vibe, the, the spirit and all that stuff. So slowly I was learning, I was learning and I couldn't wait every time to be Tuesday so I can practice with big speakers and, 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 and subs and tops and all that stuff because the 649 is a Latin club. So the sound system was amazing. It was made mm. by one of the best salsa DJ I know in Montreal, Ricky Campanelli is a friend of mm -hmm. mine. So um, the sound system was so great that when I was playing LG dubstep stuff, mm. you can hear the wobble, you can hear the bass, you can hear the, you can hear everything. And at the time, not a lot of clubs, um, studios, dance has that type of sonorization, of sound you know, system, sound system, mm -hmm. sound system. So the experience that you get in 649 with the sound system was really different from any place in montreal i can i can say mm. so because in order in other studios it would be just two speakers in order you will have one sub and that's it but in 649 exactly. we have a clubbing a clubbing system with four subs big subs <laughs> and maybe eight eight maybe eight to ten speakers so mm. I could, I, I, I didn't have, any, uh, I didn't have to put the volume up, but the music was excellent in the whole club. So my experience mm. was really, really, really enjoyable for me and for the people. So slowly I continue, I continue, I continue to learn and to practice. So I changed my turntables because I wanted something better with a better sound cards. A uh, few months, few months later, I changed again. I changed my turntables like in two, in one year and a half, I changed my turntables like five times. So wow. today I have the S9 and the CDJs. So, mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to have the best quality. Why did I change to those turntables? Because I would have the S62 or S61. And every time we brought a DJ from Europe, they would be like, Oh, I want an S9 with a CDJ. So mm. like, why we are mixing all the time with uh, S6 and all that stuff. And they, they have separate uh, mixer and turn uh, turntables and stuff. Mm. So DJ Shot was the same thing. DJ Zyx was the same thing. Willy G was the same thing. So I went to Mogodio and I was like, okay, I'm gonna rent this for one one week so I can test it. So I tested it at home. So I couldn't wait to bring my 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 S9 to to 649 and. That day where I play with the S9 for the first time at the 649 in in, in renting. I was like, okay, you know what? I have two months. I'm going to buy my old S9. After one month, I bought, I bought it. 
That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I need yeah. to. I need to. I haven't rented it yet, but that's something that's been on my list to try out. Definitely the, try the S9. Good speakers. Uh, you, you will definitely love it. Today we even have the S11, and it's getting crazy. Well, the CDG 3000 is getting new, 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 new every day. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's awesome, brother. Yeah. Man, this is such a good podcast with so much history. Yeah, and I man. think it's good to kind of highlight some of the history in, in sure, North America sure. a little bit because uh, a lot of it's not documented anywhere, you know? It's for just sure. exactly. the stories exactly. that we remember from here and there, you know? Exactly. That's really good that you're doing this because people will know how it started and uh, how, it, how it goes today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, brother. Well, it's getting close to an hour. Uh, let's go ahead and, and start to, I guess, wind down the podcast. I wanted to have you talk a little bit because now you, I don't know if you were, you you have to be one of the first Kizoma producers that are actually having tracks. Like if I go to your SoundCloud, I'm pretty sure I can find some tracks from like maybe five or six years ago. And I don't know anybody in North America that was producing Kizomba specific instrumentals. Exactly. So yeah, I I I would say that I was the first because uh, um, at that time when I started, no one was uh, really producing Kizomba. And uh, I think my first tracks, I even have some tracks from 2013, like my first tracks, my first ideas that I put in my uh, my door, uh, mm-hmm. I didn't put them out because uh, my technique, my mixing technique, my mastering techniques on the mm-hmm. wasn't on point. So I had to work really hard, learn really hard how to make, because you can have the idea in your head, but how to make it sound in real is not the same, right? So you have to you need to learn the technique so you can make your music sound how you want. So that was the hardest part for me because I know how to play the instrument. I know how to match the music. I know how to arrange my stuff, but how to mm-hmm. make my bass and my, my, my kicks sound perfect because those two are low frequencies. So if you don't know how to make it sound great because it can sound really moody and not really clear. So the quality mm-hmm. wouldn't be like perfect, not great. And when it's not great, I don't like it and I wouldn't even post it. So mm-hmm. that was hard for me just to learn this technique and to be able to post. But at that time when I was sharing one of my first tracks, uh, nobody yet in, 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 in North America was producing. LG was my first inspiration. And we even brought a friend of mine in Montreal, brought LG in Montreal. Can you imagine? LG wow. went in my, in, in my room. Uh, can you imagine <laughs> that LG was on my desktop, on my computer, and playing on my... That was a dream that day. I was like, no, I cannot imagine because he had a show on Saturday in Montreal. Mm. And uh, I know the organiz- organizer, so I told her, you know what? LG cannot come here and I won't see him. So I was at his sound check. We had a conversation. And on Sunday, there was nothing. So... He was free, so he came to my place. Uh, he, we chill, we brought some alcohol and some stuff, and we had a great time just talking, discussing. He gave, he gave me some great advice, and 
I, it was for me like a dream, a dream to have LG in my place and uh, to be able to share some music, some jamming with him. This guy is crazy. He's a, uh, in his head, he's like a little kid because what he would think, he would do it straight. He would tell you straight. Mm. He's like straightforward. And he, I had a really, really great experience for him. And then after we had Puto X, Puto X was uh, someone that, I really had a great conversation with. He shared some experience with me. We even collaborate. We didn't put some tracks out. But for me at that time, I felt like I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready because uh, he was at another level. So I was learning mm -hmm. basically from him. Um, so those guys, those two, LG and Puto X, gave me a lot of advice, a lot of... I learned a lot from them for the structure, how they, they build their music and stuff. So I can make my, my, my own stuff. So when you see Puto X music, you see LG music, you see my music, uh, you can feel, you can feel a little something. I don't know if you ever noticed something. You can feel a little something in the, in, in, you know, in the resemblance. Damn. So yeah. much history. So much is really and, it's the, it's really and it's like the the influences that you have to create your music and all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, um, I need to be sure to share your SoundCloud channel so people can check out some of your music and some of your yeah. mixes. Yeah, this is when you came to Neo Kids and killed the people. Like we have to have DJ sync back, so yeah. um, we're able to to collaborate with Neo Kids. We're able to collaborate with the crews. The and crews, yeah, it's gonna yeah. be excited to like get more DJs, you know, because now people are yeah, going to hear sure. your music. They're going to mm -hmm. get inspired mm -hmm. from you. They're going to start wanting to yes. DJ and produce and things of this nature. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. in Europe, you have a lot of high quality producers. A so I feel like now we have producer. Mojo, we have Art, we have you and some other people that are starting to produce some beats. And I feel like this is good because yes. I mean, this is the yes. home of the hip hop and the R&B, you know? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But I can tell you that uh, I can see that there is more DJs in the States, more, more, more DJs that really interesting about learning. I give a lot, a lot of private of DJing in Montreal. And even some, mm. when people come from the state, they take the time to take private with me. Just uh, sometimes I just, I, I give them just, okay, DJ for 15 minutes, mix for 15 minutes. Let's just see what you're doing. Okay. If you do just like this, if you just, if you prepare your tracks in advance, if you do this, I just give you a small advice and you change mm -hmm. some stuff in your, in your mixing, right? But uh, even mm -hmm. in Montreal, just with this pandemic, during this pandemic, I gave maybe uh, 20, 25 hours uh, of private to a lot of people. So I'm wow. sure that when COVID is going to let us go, uh, we're going we, we to have uh, more DJs. Because then you can create uh, the socials great. and the parties. Absolutely, absolutely. We're gonna have, we're gonna have, we're gonna, we can build the community. We can make the community bigger. We can have more parties and stuff, you know. And it's good for the community because we, the pandemic hit us really hard with uh, because social distancing and all that stuff with dancing. But I'm sure that we're gonna get back to it really strong because people is there and people want to dance. People are really thirsty of this of my life. Mm -hmm, Definitely. All right, Sink. Uh, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day. It was awesome to hear your pleasure. story from when you were a kid, all this kind of stuff. I definitely had my eye on you to do a podcast for a while. 
Um, I'll be sure to share all your social media links so people can check you out on Facebook and on SoundCloud where you post a lot of your sure. music. And yes. of course, we'll be so excited to have you again at the Neo Kiss Festival. Hopefully, COVID lets us because it's. <laughs> we'll say, I know things are getting a little bit crazy right now, but if everything yeah. is on point, then we'll definitely have you again yeah. in Austin for Neo Kiss in July. I think like it's summertime, uh, we would be fine because in summertime is always great. So uh, hopefully, mm -hmm. we cross our fingers. It's gonna be, it's gonna be all right. We're gonna do it. And yeah, I can't wait to come back to New Keys. Uh, I, I I had this experience in 2018 to be DJing in mm -hmm. the main room, in the pool party. The experience of this Omni Hotel is, is amazing. Mm -hmm. The place is, uh, the weather, everything is great. We have a basketball court on the, on the, mm -hmm. the near the pool. So that was a really, really, really great experience for me, 2000 in a row. And I can't wait to come. I like the energy. I like everything. And I can take people that I have in 2020. 2022 I have more tracks coming a lot of tracks I didn't post them because I was like uh, for me posting tracks is, is to be able to enjoy them in social dancing too mm -hmm. I was like if I post all my tracks during the pandemic we wouldn't have then there's like, no exactly the taste the great taste so hopefully 2022 I'm gonna post more I have I produce so much in during this pandemic because I have time at home so I have some stuff for you guys and I can't wait to share them and to experience the energy of the dance and to see people doing demos and they're having fun and stuff so I can't wait to get back to this yeah and thank you Charles Ogar to take the time to do this because it's really great so people can know about your story and how everything started and have a more connection to the to their DJs for sure mm -hmm. definitely all right brother I hope you have a good rest of your day thank you you too thank you for checking out the dance your heart on fire podcast today be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey.